and welcome back to Reaching Out with Reach podcast, where we bring to you discussions and topics surrounding prevention and recovery for all. I am pleased to announce we have a special guest joining us today, Pastor Mike Tucker, along with one of our super awesome prevention specialists, Stephanie Choice. Stephanie, you know Mike uh, Tucker very well, so go ahead and give a brief um, bio about Yes, I've known Mike, Pastor Mike, a long time. Well, guys, let me tell you, Mike Tucker is originally from Fort Worth, Texas, and currently resides in Grand Prairie, and he's the pastor of Canyon Creek Project. He's the former pastor of the Arlington Seventh-day Adventist Church, and he is the creator of seminars. Mad About Marriage is one of his biggest ones. You've got Good Grief and The Choice which I personally love because that's my last name. Now, Mike It's all about you. (laughs) It is, always. (laughs) Now, Mike Tucker has also been a chaplain for Texas Hughley Health, a Bible teacher at both Chisholm Trail and Valley Grand Academies, as well as a seventh and eighth grade teacher at Dallas Junior Academy. He is married to Pam Tucker and has two daughters and two grandbabies. And we just want to put it out there that if you or your church would be interested in any of Pastor Mike's ministries, he can be reached at madaboutmarriage.com, lifestyle.org, or tuckerministries.com. And take it away, Mike. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for that introduction. I'm, I'm glad to be with you. Uh, my, my educational background is actually education. Uh, with a, a master's in counseling, but with an educational bias, I've I've, I've taught, I've pastored, I've been in, uh, I've done a count, I've, I've counseled, been a counselor, mm-hmm. um, and done chaplaincy, health, uh, and psychiatric as well as um, health and and um, healthcare and uh, hospital, um, hospice, you name it. And the last sixteen years of my career, before I retired about a year and a half ago, were in radio and television. So. Yes. There you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm living proof that they'll put anybody on TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you and Gail were excellent um, yeah. at your shows. And um, I believe, I'm guessing you and she both came up with the Mad About Marriage series. Yeah, we did. And you're referencing my, my first wife, Gail, who passed away about six years ago from pancreatic cancer. We were married for 40 years. And that's, I wrote a book about her uh, uh, titled Tears to Joy, One Man's Journey Through Grief, and then created the, um, the seminar, Good Grief, as well as a small group curriculum to follow up the seminar, uh, the grief sessions. And so, yes, we came up with the idea of Mad About Marriage, and we conducted that all around the world, uh, 121 presentations before she died. And I've added to that another 40 presentations since her death uh, six years ago. Even in spite of COVID, I've been able to do uh, the seminar some here and there. Just did one this last week in in Fargo, North Dakota. Why I I booked that in February, I have no idea. I'm not a smart man. (laughs) I I saw your post about that. And at at least the church was warm and and, and people were warm. That's right. The people were warm and and the heater worked, so I was good. (laughs) (laughs) So Pastor Mike, We are going, since it is, um, well, it was um, Valentine's Day yesterday, February Mm -hmm. 14th. Um, We wanted to talk to you about communication. What we do here at REACH is we go into schools and we teach a curriculum to kids. Um, We use three different main um, 
what do you call it, curriculum. We have mm-hmm. kids connection for the smaller kids. We have life skill training for also for elementary age kids. And we and then we have too good for drugs. Mm-hmm. And the the beginning of it, we are talking about communication. Now, what does effective communication look like in a healthy relationship? You know, I, I think when I think about that question, I think about something that uh, John and Julie Gottman said. The, they're two of the preeminent uh, relationship experts and researchers in America out of Washington, the state of Washington. Um, they said that healthy marriages, and we'll, we'll put it from that standpoint, uh, occur when, when couples treat each other as best friends mm-hmm. and they resolve conflict in kind and gentle ways. Now, when you, when you look at that uh, and you try to transpose that then to what healthy relationships and healthy communication looks like. Think about the very best communication between best friends. It's honest. It's vulnerable. It's open. It's without accusation. Um, someone said a, a good friend is someone who's always happy to see you and has no plans for your immediate improvement. And so that means that uh, c- healthy communication does not involve someone trying to fix you or correct you or tell you you're right or you're wrong. It means they're listening to your heart and trying to ascertain your heart's desire as you share your heart's desire. So it requires that vulnerability and openness. And that's how we get to know each other. So I think that it's it's best friends who uh, share with each other. And when you do have conflict, you resolve it in kind and gentle ways. All right. (laughs) Um, So speaking of kind and gentle and talking about um, your heart's desires, how does love and communication coincide? Uh, without communication, there's not much that happens with love. I mean, you may have an attraction, but it, there's nothing that's going to grow if there's no communication. Right. Uh, love starts with an attraction, and we think of it as an emotion. It's also a decision. We choose to love each other. But for love to grow, we have to know each other. And the ways that we do that is spending time together, but also knowing something about each other. That means, what, what do you value? What's important to you as a human being? What are your heart's desires? Uh, what, how do you process information? How do you make decisions? Um, um, what, you know, what do you live for? And if I don't know those things, I, my love is going to, it's going to be, um, it's, it's going to, it's going to be thwarted. I'm not going to have a, a growth experience with this. And the best way to figure those things out is to talk about it, to hear you talk about what your passions are, and then to see those lived out in your life. So it's time and and conversation. Without that, love doesn't grow. It remains immature. I like what you said there because there's nothing like seeing the person that you love the most in their element. Yeah. You know, as a soldier, as my husband was a soldier, just, I mean, every time he put on that uniform, swoon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, that's important to him. And and uh, God love our, our men and women in uniform because uh, they keep us safe. But that's got to be their passion. Uh, they've got to believe in what they do because they're, they're not just laying down their life at times. But the truth is that, you know, they forfeited the opportunities for other lives, for other things they could have done. And that's, that means it's got to be your passion or, or you're really wasting a lot of time. And uh, what I found, what I found, Pastor Mike, too, is with deployments and, you know, field exercises for weeks at a time, um, 
going schooling, the schooling that he had yeah. to go through, um, the way we communicated, I think possibly differs from yeah. other relationships mm-hmm. because I was the main parent with our three children. So let me ask you this. What are some of the greatest challenges when it comes to communication between couples? Trust. Mm-hmm. Um, why, you know, I'm, I'm not going to share with you my heart's desire and uh, my vulnerabilities if indeed I feel like I can't trust you. Uh, if I'm, if I'm going to be judged, uh, if you're going to critique me, criticize me, or try to fix me, tell me I'm right or I'm wrong, I'm not as willing to, to do that. Uh, I think another inhibitor to communication is what uh, researchers like John and Julie Gottman, as well as um, doctors Markman and Stanley from the University of Denver have found. Uh, Those two groups, Stanley Markman in Denver and Gottman in Washington, both conducted independent study on communication patterns, and both of them found four negative communication patterns that destroy relationships. They, when their listing's a little bit different. I, I like, John and Julie Gottman called theirs the four horsemen of the apocalypse, uh, which is interesting. But um, uh, Stanley and Markman, I've received training from them at the University of Denver, and they, they have four negative communication patterns that when they exist in a relationship, not only do they inhibit the relationship growth, but they become the best predictors of failed marriages that we know. Okay. Uh, and when they exist and persist in a relationship, uh, and the more of them you have, the worse it is, then, then they become inhibitors. And so I think we learn some communication styles from our parents that are destructive. And if we can identify what the negative patterns are and begin to remove them, uh, the research shows that removing one of these patterns does more to ensure the long-term stability and health of a, of a marriage than adding five positive things. Getting rid of one negative is more powerful than adding five wow. uh, positive things. So uh, I think that we owe it to ourselves to figure out what these are. What patterns do I have in my life that are inhibiting this effective communication? And is there a better, healthier, more gentle way of communicating? Mm. Well, Crystal, Crystal, do you mind if I piggyback off of that then? Yeah, go ahead. When you, when you say, you know, the families that we come from also affect how we communicate in our relationships, mm-hmm. um, can culture, gender, nationality, social class, all of those things affect the way we communicate? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know that's true as well as I do. That's why diplomacy among nations is so difficult. Uh, because there are there are cultural customs, and uh, I can I can do like I'm from Texas, and my daddy told me when you talk to a man, look him in the eye. Mm-hmm. But when I do that with someone from the East, they think I'm showing disrespect because I'm right. staring Intimid- at them right in the eye. Form right? of intimidation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to intimidate them. I'm being aggressive rather than show, deferring and showing respect by looking down, right, and bowing. Mm-hmm. But in Texas, man, you look a man in the eye. You know, because otherwise you're not an honest man. You know, look, look me in the eye, son. And yeah. so, I mean, that's just one one small example. But uh, racially, you know, even uh, figures of speech, colloquialisms that we all use. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a style of, of communication between a black mother and a child, uh, especially an errant child mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that you will find in black homes and not necessarily in other homes. And it works there. 
Mm-hmm. But you try that in, in um, my white middle class home and we got problems. <laughs> so and, and or if I try my style in a, in a black home, again, we could have some problems. The, the, we we come from we are who we are. We are what our, our backgrounds make us, our education, our race, uh, our, our homes of origin. And now in order to to bridge that gap, we have to learn about each other. I need to be aware of what uh, what the African-American style of communication is, as well as people from the East and people from other cultures. And and as far as the uh, socioeconomic level as well, I need to understand how to communicate across those lines um, and how to receive what they're giving me without being offended. All right. And to piggyback off of that, I went through a series of um, learning about biases and different biases we don't even know we have. And that that follows what you just said, basically, like yeah. we have these different biases, implicit and explicit biases, you know, that we grew up on. And it's like we don't really recognize them because of how we were mm-hmm. raised or because of our exactly. social and economic groups that we're around. So you're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> oh, okay. So uh, going back to about, about building relationships, um, how does love play a key role when building relationships and maintaining those relationships as well? Well, actually, love can get in the way. If you, if, if, I think the best love relationships start off as friendships. And then love can complicate it because we got a whole host of emotions coming in there. And sometimes the emotions keep us from thinking rationally. And then there are expectations and... Um, and it, you may even have a personal expectation that when you love deeply, you're going to be rejected. Well, that, that, that complicates a relationship, believe it or not. Um, so it, it, can, it can complicate it. But without, without proper communication, no love relationship is going to grow. Uh, no ro- love relationship is going to get over being immature and a feeling and at times a volatile feeling. So... We, we just simply have to learn to get over the vulnerability, the, the, um, the emotional trauma of being in love and learn to trust each other. And when we can do that logically, if I, if I basically I, one of the principles I teach in marriage classes called goodwill marriage. And that's where um, I make a commitment that I want what's best for the relationship and for my marriage and for my marriage partner. And I believe that she wants the same thing for me. And if I can go in with that attitude, then when she says or does something that doesn't feel quite right, I go back to the original premise. She has goodwill toward me, goodwill toward the marriage. And I add to that then another basic assumption, and that is my spouse would never intentionally harm me. Now, if I can have those two basic assumptions, that she wouldn't hurt me on purpose, so if she's hurting me, it's unintentional, and she wants what's best for me and for the relationship just as I do, then I can quit reading so much stuff into the relationship and just take her words at face value. Or if I have a question, ask the question rather than assume. Mm -hmm. When it comes to communication and, and and this is not even just romantically, um, how effective do you think has, has, has the quality and quantity of our communication, has it been, bettered by internet and social media? <laughs> I, some of the ugliest thing I've ever seen has happened on social media. In fact, I've got long-term friends. I've, I've been friends with one woman in particular. Uh, this comes to mind. 
longer than either of you two have been alive. All right. That's how long I've been friends with this woman. And we haven't seen each other face to face much in the, over the last 20 years or so. But there's still a connection there. She said some things to me on social media that I was greatly offended by. I mean, the way she talked to me. And then we ran into each other the other day and she just acted like nothing had ever happened. Yeah. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Don't you know what you said? So uh, there, there is this assumption of anonymity when someone types things on a keyboard and they, you know, you get angry and you type stuff that my word. No, it's not helped us. Um, I think that that social media can be a powerful tool, and I've used it powerfully during the pandemic, especially um, a lot of ministry has taken place on on social media for me. Um, I, my, my wife and I, we were a part of this church, Canyon Creek Project. It's a church plant and is geared for people much younger than me and more secular than myself. And so the music is not exactly my music, but it's theirs, but they love it. So they're grooving out on it. And that's fine. I don't care because they're coming. But uh, but we started a, a prayer meeting with the pandemic on Facebook. And, you know, prayer meeting, midweek meetings, it's hard to get people out for. Yeah. I had more people at this crazy prayer meeting on Facebook than ever with much larger churches in person. So, so that part of it, it, it can be a powerful tool for communication. I've done grief programs uh, on, on Facebook or Zoom. I've done marriage seminars there. So it can be a very po powerful tool for communication. But by and large, most of the way we're doing it is not very positive. And people have this sense of anonymity. And you, you, uh, if you would read out loud some of the things you type, you might not type it that way yeah. mm -hmm. uh, yeah. because th there's so much that is left that uh, unsaid that that sends a message that is other than what you might think it is. All right. Well, con considering what we do here at Reach, um, do you think that uh, kids and teens could possibly benefit from what we teach when it comes to communication? Absolutely. Um, Communication has to do with the way we talk to each other. And again, that's something I teach in marriage seminars. You change when you change the way you talk, you change the fabric of the relationship. When you change the way you listen, and when you learn to listen, you change the fabric of the relationship. So, yes, everyone can benefit from this. Uh, learning what things sound like to other people, uh, how to more uh, powerfully and effectively communicate what you're doing. Everyone needs this. I uh, the show that I did, Lifestyle Magazine, was a, a talk show. We interviewed celebrities and authors and people with great stories. I interviewed a woman named Dr. Susan Heitler. She's a psychiatrist, and she wrote a book on, on um, problem solving in, in relationships. And she calls her collaborative uh, dialogue, um, which is a, basically it's a skill for listening and for, and for talking and, and, and then finding positive ways to solve a problem. After she finished her book on this topic, she shared it with members of her family to ask for a title for it. She eventually titled it The Power of Two, but she gave it to her 21-year-old son, who at the time was a, a college student. And uh, she said, what should I entitle this? He read the book and said, Mom, I know what you should call this. You should call it what we should have learned in sex education class. He said, you know, the stuff they taught, me, taught us maybe, you know, it has a value. But the truth is we all fall in love easily, but no one teaches us how to do a relationship. And that's what this book is about. Solving problems means that we can stay in relationship and we can do it amicably and without hurting one another, we can communicate effectively. That's what they should teach us. And so, yes, 
the the material taught by reach is essential it's it's quality and it's important that young people learn to communicate not just by texting and and not just on social media but actually face-to-face communication yeah. and then actually, they're learning the crossover yeah mm-hmm. um so i have a question about that so from a pers- uh, professional and personal perspective has the internet been more beneficial or harmful going back to the internet um has it been more beneficial or harmful to the way that we communicate and express our feelings frankly after watching the political discussions that come up over something as simple as wearing a mask uh, there, it seems to be more harmful. Everybody's got their 15 minutes and, and, and they, they make mountains out of molehills. They're making a mask, a political statement. It's not, mm-hmm. it's a health statement. I'm sorry. I don't care whether you're a Democrat or Republican uh, or something in between. It, it's not about that. Yeah. Um, and so it's, 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 you know, the question is, is, is vaccination or masking? Oh, anyway, I, I think that overall, it, it, it has been more negative frequently, uh, frequently than it has positive. It can be a very positive tool for good, but what I see mostly on, on the internet, on Facebook, Twitter, uh, tends to be pretty negative. I have to take a break from it every now and then so I don't go on Prozac. Definitely. Yeah, no, it is. It's something about being behind a screen or yeah. a screen period, whether it's your computer or your phone, that people yeah. get this get bold, very yeah. bold and say whatever they want that they would never yeah. say in person. Ever. <laughs> and I mean, honestly, even Ever. for me, like not not just like my phone or anything, but when it comes to like writing down things or just mm-hmm. typing something in my notes, it's easier to express that when it's writing down, when I'm writing it down or typing yeah. it rather than yeah. actually saying it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think that, again, most of us need to read out loud um, the things that we're, we're sending, even email. Mm-hmm. Um, my, the, I mentioned the, my wife, uh, Gail, who had passed away about six years ago. She was wonderful at this. She was the most gracious diplomatic woman I've ever met in my life. And someone who had ticked me off terribly, you know, professionally or something. And I, I would write this email that was, you know, I thought was professional, but, you know, stating my point, mm-hmm. I let her read it. She said, wait three days before you send that. I said, no, I want to send it now. Wait three days. <laughs> and then, you know, two or three days later, I'd read it. Yeah, she's probably right. Right. <laughs> we always are. Well, Pastor Mike, I want to thank you so much for your time. I know you're a very busy man. Again, guys, if you would like to reach out to Pastor Mike, he can be reached at madaboutmarriage.com, lifestyle.org, or tuckerministries.com. I really appreciate your time, yes, sir. Yes, we it, do. It was my honor. Yes, my honor. we know that there are so many other things you could be doing, but we appreciate you uh, taking your time out today to uh, speak with us. So as we conclude, thank you again, Pastor Mike. Thank you, Stephanie, for introducing us to Pastor Mike. And thank you for all of our listeners for uh, constantly listening and supporting us. Um, we want to thank you all, like I said, for tuning in. And until next time, remember, life is full of choices. Choose happy, choose healthy.